0: listening to the dig what is up nuggets fans you've stumbled onto the dig this is your host nick i'm with jeremy we are sitting here on the precipice of a western conference finals how are you feeling jeremy Whew, stressed excited
1: um man nothing like a game seven for me i've spent so much effort over the past two seasons uh representing um, part of the stiffs with, with the nuggets. What am I trying to say here? I have no idea. <laughs> I was idea. just trying to be more professional uh, that I've taken, I put a lot of effort into um, taking a lot of things into stride and making my, my views and and my appreciation. And, and when I'm analyzing a lot, taking a step back uh, for longer views on everything. And it's kind of distanced my emotional side and, man, there's nothing like these playoffs right now to just completely bottle me back up and make me a, a raging emotional wreck and nothing like this game six and game seven here to really just like kick out every single take that I've built up over the past <laughs> two seasons and base all of my my angles off of like five minutes of play.
0: Yeah, no, you, I, that nails it. I think it's, uh, it's all emotion in game mm. seven, right? The analysis goes out the window at this point. I mean, we, what we're seeing is two evenly matched teams, and it's really a coin flip in Game Seven. And there are matchups to look at, and we're going to look at that in, in a little bit. Um, and there's, you know, definitely some some keys to the game, but like everybody knows pretty much what those are at this point. You know, we know we know what we're going to get from the Stars. Um it's the you know the role players that that very likely will determine this series um or some other things but but really that's that's just because we're we're watching two teams playing good basketball for the most part that are that are evenly matched they're both young and hungry and it's you know they really are representing the future of the Western Conference which is exciting um especially at a time when we're seeing you know maybe uh maybe some cracks in Golden State it's exciting anyway moving forward and it is like yeah, it's it's super emotional. Game 7 is is a it's it's not the game where like I'm going to be taking like careful notes during the game. It's where I'm <laughs> going to be throwing things at my TV.
1: Yeah, it's funny like the the thing that that as a fan, I think you praise about the NBA playoffs is that it's a, a seven-game series, which means you know, really the best team kind of wins as opposed to the opposite is like the NFL playoffs where mm-hmm. Um, which are great in their own way where it all comes down to one game and so so much can flip in one game and it's like man <laughs> this does not it's not a seven game series anymore it's a one game series it's just as crazy yeah. as an NFL playoff game where anything can go uh, so it's uh, you know the best thing to do is to completely buy into that um, that uncertainty and just enjoy the the radical moment that we're about to experience
0: yeah, the NBA does the best probably of any sports league in crowning the best team. Like we know we know who these teams are. We know what the matchup looks like. We know how these teams strengths and weaknesses play against each other. And yeah, then it just becomes kind of a, a just a question of uh, who's going to show up, who's going to play harder, uh who's going to get hot. Like it, it, there's just it it becomes a little more brute, a little more emotional um and ultimately I, I think i think whoever does win game 7 will will have shown that they were the better team in the series which i i still think is denver um i i've thought that throughout <laughs> the series you obviously just compl-
1: <laughs> you just tore apart your own take in one sentence
0: <laughs> you, they're going to prove who the better team is which is denver yeah if, if portland <laughs> if portland wins i will admit that portland is is the better team but they're coming denver, denver but right because i think denver I think Denver's the better win. team. Yeah. Oh. It's a better okay. Team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, but i But I will give it to Portland. Yeah. If if Portland wins, they were better. I mean, if they can come into Denver and win this game seven, you know, having won two games in a row, being down three two, I, I think we have to give we have to give them the nod and it. And if that happens, I think it's it's really going to be because of the the play they got out of two superstars and and right. and the experience edge that right. they have with, with some of their veteran um, bench players. Um, that's well, that's going to be the difference.
1: You're already stepping all over my answers Stomping. for our mm-hmm. buy and sell segment. So Sorry about that. Well, well this actually uh, transitions nicely into um, the theme, which is... The Crucible, part <laughs> two. The theme... I'm calling it Further Through the Crucible because I like that now, now I can see it as like a Nine Inch Nails album cover because they oh. love those uh, prepositional uh, statements. Statements or sentences? Prepos- yeah, phrases. Phrases, phrases. Phrases, yeah.
0: I like it. Yep. Further Through the Crucible it is. All right, so we talked at the beginning of the playoffs about – this being a crucible for the Nuggets, um, we didn't know a lot about this team at the beginning of the playoffs in, in terms of like how they would respond to intense playoff competition. Uh, the Spurs were, were really almost like an ideal first-round matchup for this team because uh, the Nuggets are better. They have more talent than the Spurs. On paper, they should win that series, and they had home court advantage, but the Spurs play with a lot of intangibles. Uh, they have great coaching. Uh, they always uh play sound. They're really tough at home. So there, it was a, it was a really good test for for this team. And and a lot came out of that series, which we talked about in our last show. Um, I think this Portland series has definitely provided a, a different sort of challenge to the Nuggets. I think they're really facing the challenge of dealing with superstar play, and how do you how do you corral uh one Elite player, top five or ten player in the league and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, who's just a notch below that, um, and who has the potential on any given night to put up 40 like we saw and completely dominate a game. Um, we're really seeing them have to corral those two guys and not let other people beat them while at the same time seeing what we have from our own our own star players and seeing if they how they can rise to meet the challenge and we talked about after the first round series that Jokic had proven that Jokic ball is real that he is a legit superstar in this league I think the Portland series has even taken that up a notch I think I'm hearing a lot of national media people talk about Jokic being the big winner of the playoffs so far that he has really proven um, to to be a guy that you can win a championship with. He can be the number one option on a championship team. And we didn't know that coming into the season. So the Crucible has has given us that revelation so far.
1: Yeah, and I'd say Murray caught fire, you know, about maybe halfway through the series with San Antonio. And he's, he's pretty much, for the most part, kept it going here. So um, another positive where it's not just, uh, you know, during the regular season it was, well, how do you deal with his inconsistency? Is he really somebody that you want to rely, invest into for the future? And I feel like this playoffs have has kind of answered that. Um, oh, I know it it's has a perfect for me. Answer? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You're a great example of right. of of at least I, yeah. being behind him. It, well, in, early the end, in the
0: season, like I was calling for a, a Monte Morris as the starting point guard experiment. Right. Um, because I just didn't think that Murray made sense as a, as a starting point point guard. And I thought he was out of position and that they were trying to shoehorn him in. Uh, I was wrong. Um, Murray is a star and, and this team might not have a traditional point guard in Jamal Murray, but that's kind of okay. And that's kind of where the league is moving is with these combo guards that can do kind of a little bit of everything, and I, I think we've seen what the potential of that can be when Murray's playing well. And that as you pointed out, it's really just a matter of consistency now. He's got the talent. He's got a few things he needs to work on. His defense has been completely exposed in the playoffs or teams have repeatedly gone after him on defense. Um, so he is going to have to improve in that area of his game. He's, he maybe is never going to be a great defensive player, but he's got to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he needs to to work on his ball handling and his his. Uh, ability to penetrate but uh, yeah and he's I, he, that may never be an elite skill for him either but. and i think involving murray um something
1: beyond just one player who's proved himself in the crucible is is a system uh yeah it's still questionable to me but you know every team kind of has their shtick. you you've got houston who figured out their spread offense that's completely built mm-hmm. um around the beard and then you've got the Warriors who have just buckets and buckets of outside shooting, of crazy outside shooting, and who figured out a defense that, that can be strung together. And with the Nuggets, it really seems like uh, the the two-man game of, of Jokic and, and Murray has really settled in as as what to build around. And that that's where I kind of question it because it is a sidestep from what we've previously called like the Jokic offense, where he's got he's surrounded by shooters and he's just moving the ball around to to get guys open in, in spots where they can nail in some shots, at least uh, where we're at right now with the Jokic Murray situation. It, maybe it's a result of just the outside shooting not falling this year. And maybe that's what the hiccup is, what the the, the outlier is. And, and the outside shooting does come back. And we do end up back in more of a Jokic ball kind of offense. But um, Murray has shown that... that him and Jokic can kind of handle the weight that when th- just things aren't working, you know, when you have like, you're, you're jamming the, the one button on your controller when you're playing a video game, uh, they're that one button that is just reliable th- that you don't have to really overthink things too much. Just run the, the, the two man game with them. Um, and, um, the way I'm seeing it, you and I brought up earlier, this might've been our biggest question throughout the entire season was what do the nuggets do about closing out the fourth quarter Right and and it was right after that where we really saw the the Jokic Murray two man game step up. Um, you, I feel yeah. like we're playing fourth quarter basketball every quarter now. Is what yeah it looks that's like what, to me.
0: yeah because this is what happens in the playoffs, right? I mean, you know, shots just stop stop coming at, falling as easily, um, especially from three, especially for a young team. Um, things break down. It gets tighter. Lanes get tighter more cramped so it it, you need something you need like you just described you need your bread and butter that you can go to that you know you can get a good shot from and every great team has that and we even talked to early on in the season about the nuggets developing some kind of an identity Mm. and that they were kind of they were kind of lacking that it was sort of this odd collection of of players um you know they had you know essentially six shooting guards and like no real small forward (laughs) like just this kind of weird group grouping of players um and I think that's what we've seen is that their bread and butter is the Jokic-Murray pick-and-roll game. And a lot of times it's um, Murray screening for Jokic, which is really actually kind of revolutionary. Um, it's, yeah. I, I'm sure it's been done before somewhere in the history of basketball. But I, you know, I've heard a number of analysts talking about this, this season that they couldn't remember. Or, or at least at this point in the league, there's no other team that really does that. The screens for their center. That's not a thing you see. Um, and so that makes it difficult on other teams just to build on that real quick is that actually has put Murray in a position to pull down a lot of offensive
1: rebounds, which has been pretty mind blowing to see him actually uh really um productive at doing
0: and that so and that's what you need because you what you need is an offense like i said that can get you a good shot when the game is tight mm-hmm. and also an offense that other teams are not used to seeing very often or ever. Um, that makes them have to adjust to you in a sort of a, a new way. Now, in a seven-game series by game seven, those adjustments are there. Everybody knows what to expect. And at that point, it becomes like you got to make shots. That's that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, and, and you have to play with with energy and you have to play smart. And there's going to be a few plays that are going to decide it probably. But, um, you know, but for the first, you know, part of this series i mean these teams are having to go back and forth with adjustments and, and and a lot of that just has to do with these unique play styles and i think ultimately that's what that's what wins out for a championship team is they have such a a versatile and unique play style that you know there there's just no set of adjustments that can that can take away good looks mm-hmm. but yeah yeah there for a bit it just seemed like it, we didn't know that if, if murray was really going to be the guy who could run this kind of action with with Jokic or if like a two-man pick and roll game was really going to work for these guys, Uh, Jokic isn't the most athletic big man in the world either, Uh, so what we're seeing is just, this has all been stuff that's come out of this playoff crucible, like we're, the Nuggets have, I think, a clear identity, and a, a sort of bread and butter offensive game that they can elaborate on, build on, as we move forward, I mean, there's some, I'm already thinking about, like, possible free agents, and some pieces that could be added here that would really help to solidify this this kind of core offensive structure that they have now I can't
1: disagree with you on any of that Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head so when we come back we're going to jump into fill in the blank
0: fill in the blank all right Jeremy let's play fill in the blank blank will be the reason the Nuggets win on Sunday The
1: starting lineup will be the reason the Nuggets win on Sunday because I have a feeling they're going to play the whole game. (laughs) (laughs) At this rate, yeah. I really kind of hope so. Um, So I think that this is actually the first uh, two-day break that the Nuggets have had since between Game 1 and Game 2 of the Spurs series, which was almost a month ago. Um, Yeah. They played on the 16th. You know, they Last played
0: 26 month. games in 50 days. So a little over a game every two days on average. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so the fact that they're finally able to to pull down two days of rest. And I, I, I almost kind of wonder... Malone only played uh, Jokic um, a little under 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost kind of wonder... Yeah, wondered, he's averaging
0: 40 for the playoffs.
1: Right. So... Yeah I wonder if he was almost kind of looking ahead a little bit. Um i eh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract that cuz when I was watching the game I think he was hoping for the best with his alternative lineups um that didn't involve Jokic. Uh
0: Well, and he had few, 4 fouls in the third quarter too. I Yeah, true. Part true. Of this,
1: so. Um but he, even in the first half, uh he, he I think gave gave Jokic a longer break than than maybe he should have, but um, I, I think we're going to see a very heavy hand of of the starters, and and that's that's what we keep winning with. You know, th- they go in, we outscore the other team, and then our bench coughs up coughs up the the lead, and and we've seen that over and over again. So um, with as much rest as, as we can get, uh, I think we'll see we won't see much of the bench in the, in the next game, and and that would be the reason why we win.
0: All right, I'm going to narrow it down a little bit more. I have Jamal Murray as the reason they win on Sunday. if they Wow. Win. Um, I think That's Murray a needs coming from you. a and monster I- game. Yeah, I think he needs a monster game. I At this point, we pretty much know what Jokic is bringing. He's averaging 25, 13, and 9 for the playoffs. That's insane. His analytics are laughably off the chart this year, he's like, uh, according to some metrics, he's having the second best playoff run in NBA history. Um, so, because he's so efficient with getting these numbers too. Uh, and we've, and from the center position to be averaging nine assists is just un- absolutely unheard of. So he has been spectacular, but his, you know, that's kind of his ceiling. Like we're not going to get a 50 point game out of Jokic most likely it's possible, but he, he, I I in fact I almost even just prefer this role for him just give us exactly what you've been giving us 25 13 and 9 in a game 7 will be fantastic you know and on a, on efficient shooting um, maybe he goes up to maybe goes up to 30 something like that what i'm expecting from McCollum and and Lillard is for a repeat perform, performance from game 6 i think they're both going to have like between 60 and I think combined, they're going to have 60 to 70 points. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Well, you're going to get your 25 or whatever from Jokic. Um, He's not going to match shot for shot. Damian Lillard, most likely Um, he will get more guys open shots than Lillard will, but he's not going to be, not going to be chucking the volume of shots that Dame does. So I think Murray has to step in here and, and, and be a guy who can outplay CJ McCollum. Like I hmm. think, I think Jokic and Murray need to counterbalance Lillard and McCollum and play them evenly, mm-hmm. um, which will take away th- that advantage, which is that's that's Portland's advantage is their guard play. Those you know they have two fantastic guards who can put up tons of points. So if if Murray and Jokic can match them, then we start going down the matchups. And at home, I really like Paul Millsap a lot better than anybody he'll be matched up against. He's had, for the most part, a great series. He had a bad game six. Um, and I, that was really surprising to me, actually, because he had been so good in the series. And I, don't, you picked him for your your X-Factor for the series. And that was looking like a really smart call through the first five games. He was mm. um, really key for them. I think we'll see him get back to that in game seven. I think we'll see that experience uh, that, that he has uh and the and the leadership that he shows not so much says but that he shows will come through um and and then we start looking at other matchups like you know can Gary Harris outplay Rodney Hood or something <laughs> harkless like i hope so um i think Harris is is poised for a bounce back game as well um and then as you mentioned the bench probably won't see a lot of run in this game um especially with the trends that we're seeing. We're going to talk more about the the minutes trends uh, in our next segment, but it's it's likely it's going to be mostly the starters. And so so in order for this to play out, I think Murray has to be huge. The uh, next question up.
1: Blank will be the reason the Nuggets lose on Sunday.
0: Jamal Murray will be the reason the Nuggets lose on oh, Sunday God. if they don't win. Cheese ball. <laughs> yeah. He's the key for me. Oh, uh, it goes in both directions. This was two yeah.
1: questions, Nick. Two <laughs> questions, not one.
0: One <laughs> answer for two questions. He I mean, is the key. Isn't it a given that
1: <laughs> if if your answer for why they win doesn't work, that that would be uh, the answer for why they lose? Oh, man.
0: Eh, I think maybe. you're the
1: reason why they lose on Sunday. <laughs>
0: When I think about them losing and I think about, okay, what, what will go wrong if they lose? In no way, in no scenario in my head can I come up with a way that Jokic has like a 14 point game. Right. It, that's not happening. Right. Um, in no way in my head can I come up with like Gary Harris being responsible for the loss, like, like single handedly, like having such a stinker that it ruins the team. Mm-hmm. But when I think about Jamal Murray having a bad game, I get, start to get kind of t- terrified. Mm-hmm. Because if yeah, if he's chucking and missing and get and gets all out of sorts, his he's a he's a liability on defense. We've already talked about that, right? Right. Uh, things could get get out of hand. You know, if if it comes out and Lillard and McCullum are dropping haymakers and Murray starts pressing and turning the ball over, and the Nuggets are down by fifteen in the second quarter or something, I I'm starting to get really nervous. Um, so that's to me the the most likely thing that could. That could wreck the game, and like I said, on the flip side, if Murray has a great game, I think they win, and I think they win easily if Murray plays well. Okay, uh, I'm I'm looking at this question
1: from the perspective of I'm now a believer in the Nuggets' consistency. Uh, I don't think the Nuggets lose this game; that they're the the reason why they they lose it. I if if they lose, I think it's because Portland wins it. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm looking at, at what they would do to actually win it. So for, for this fill-in-the-blank, I'm going to say shooting will be the reason the Nuggets lose on Saturday. Mm. The the Portland Trailblazers Blazers to me look like they remind me a lot of, of the Warriors right before they, they kind of made it over the hump. Um, which is to say it's a lot like the old Phoenix Suns, the Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Phoenix Suns where they j- they had so much shooting. And back then the, the thought was, you know, so, so good, so happy for you that you're good on offense, but without defense or, or without um, a structured half court offense, uh, you're not going to make it in the playoffs. And the Suns would always have these great flamboyant, awesome to watch regular seasons and then lose in the playoffs. And, and that's what people were, were labeling the Warriors as early on. Um, and, and, and And they're just kind of they're like the Warriors Junior to me right now. And what that does is when when you're that good at shooting from the outside, like they are, it it makes it impossible to put the game away because they can climb back into it so fast. They can take three possessions and turn that into nine points as opposed to like six points. Yeah. Um, and then it it also makes it so that they can put games away. Because same thing, they can take a five-point lead and turn it into a fifteen-point lead before you know it. But um, but to me, they they hearken back to those old criticisms of of teams built around outside shooting, which is you live and you die by the outside shot. Uh, you live and die by the three. And so if 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 the Nuggets lose on Sunday, to me the reason is only because their entire team clicked from the outside, the the, the Trailblazers. And they just and they pulled it down and, and that's almost unbeatable. The only way to beat it is to outshoot it, which is something like the the Warriors would do or or Houston might be able to do.
0: Um, yeah, I do see this game going differently than the game seven against the Spurs. I don't I don't think we'll see the Nuggets clam up the way they did in that game. I mean that game, you know, they got out to the a pretty big lead. What they were up like fifteen or eighteen or something like that, like twice, and going into the I think in the third quarter even they had like a a fifteen point lead or something, and then. They, I mean, they just held on for dear life right, onto right. that lead, right? Uh, and and completely clammed up in the fourth quarter. I don't, I don't think. I think that was the that was the game where they they figured out what it takes to close a team out. I, and I, I think they're definitely going to carry that experience forward with them into this game. And Portland doesn't doesn't play as sound uh, defensively um, as the Spurs did in that game. And I, they just have a different. I don't know. There's a different feel to this series. I don't. I don't quite see it going like that. Um but and that, that the was Nuggets that turned... are going to like neither of us have talked about the Nuggets defense and I honestly that could end up being the main the main key here whether they win or lose is just regardless of how the Nuggets are shooting it, their defense can keep them in it
1: right I I've actually been so I have to give uh Stotts credit in this last game he he limited Harkless and limited Aminu, um, which are their defensive guys pretty strongly, and he kind of he kind of said, okay, this isn't really we're not really gaining much out of playing defensively, whereas putting in Hood and just out shooting the Nuggets is actually getting them somewhere. And um, like you know, I was I was looking at Harkless um, in his first stint that he played uh, was negative eight. And then in his second stint, he he pulled him, and he never went in in the first half. In the second stint, he was zero. And then he pulls him, never puts him back in for the rest of the game. Um, Pretty much the same with Aminu. Uh, Aminu was minus nine in his first stint and and zero in the second stint, never came back in. Um, And that game against Millsap... um, I think that was just I, I I'm not I'm not a believer in the Evan Turner versus Millsap being <laughs> like Millsap can't get around him. I I just think uh, I think it was no. an off night for Millsap. Yeah. I say you still take that matchup, and so totally. I was kind of wondering I, I wonder if we kind of bail on defense and
0: just start putting in offense. Um, but but um, if by that you mean putting in Will Barton over Tory Craig, the answer is no, <laughs> no, yeah.
1: Uh, and so that's that's what kind of I I went back and forth on this, and, and I, I gave up on that. I, I do think that our defense is still useful, and just because of our personnel, it's kind of hard to to really see us out punting defense for offense. Because yeah, if Barton is your offensive choice, that hasn't
0: really worked so far, and we're gonna get into that more. But um, let me let me throw out one more. Kind of more minor point, but I find it nearly impossible. This is like, like me thinking about, like, I don't know, the universe never having a beginning or something as impossible to contemplate Malik Beasley being 0 for 9 from the field again and Rodney Hood having 24 points or 25 right. points, whatever he I, had. I think it was 27. 27. That's not happening again at home. 25. Like, Beasley has played very well at home throughout the... He's played well throughout the playoffs. He's been a little worse this series than he was in the Spurs series. Um, and game six, he was he was awful. We're not going to see that again. There, there's not going to be a, a 25 point differential between Rodney Hood and Malik Beasley, and I think that in and of itself is going to make a big difference in this game. Rodney Hood averages 12 points a game. If he just does his 12 points a game, the Nuggets win that game last night. So...
1: Yeah. Rodney Hood
0: was the reason they won, not C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard each I having I completely agree.
1: That That's what I was shouting from the rooftops. Um, yeah. I watched the game with a bunch of uh, 76ers fans, and they couldn't stop talking about Damian Lillard, which he deserves
0: a lot yeah, of credit. Yeah, it's because but, he shoots from 35 feet and hits right. them. It's, okay, cool. I know. It looks amazing. He right. had 32 points. Like Jokic had 29
1: yeah, but I, <laughs> like, I think what? when when you when you understand all the moving parts between the the Trailblazers and the Nuggets, which I don't expect a 76ers fan to uh, to understand, uh, I, I think you see that game going very uh, very much the way you expect it to, with the exception of of Hood
0: of Rodney going Hood. off, yeah, right. And that's moving forward, kind of the types of moves that I'd like to see the Nuggets start to look at making is is bringing in a, a couple of guys like that who can be these sort of key contributors in the playoffs um you know maybe guys that aren't as important in the regular season but guys who who you might be able to count on you know coming in uh, up with a game like this in a game six yeah i think it's just it's hard to
1: (coughs) i i agree but it's one of those things where i think you're talking about a black box that you're reaching
0: into when you try and find these players and you just don't know what you get until you're there um no, and it's. I, I'm just thinking if you look at Portland, like Ennis Cantor and Rodney Hood were both trade deadline pickups. You know, at a time when the Nuggets did nothing. Uh-huh. So now the difference is the Nuggets weren't expecting to be competing for the Western Conference Finals, right? So Portland did. They they were in the Portland was in a window and they felt like they could make some know. noise. And so, but I don't. Well, I, that's my impression anyway. I think the Nuggets were just happy to be building with the young guys that they have. They weren't. They weren't thinking right. championship.
1: I would just say so, that I feel like – I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to agree with you either, but um, I would just say if you look at this from Tim Connolly's standpoint and the way that he's operated that um, it's clear he has a strong belief in loyalty and growing things. And even even if you did tell him uh, you're going to be in Game 7 uh, to fight for the Western Conference playoffs um, or Western Conference finals um, – at the trade deadline, I'm still not sure that he actually winds up pulling the trigger on some players and just wanting to believe in in who he has and, and looking forward to the way that they're able to grow
0: in in this game together. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, but the Nuggets could have Ennis Cancer on this team. And maybe we wouldn't be talking about how horrible Mason plumley has been all series because Ennis Cancer could be playing the backup center minutes. Right. I mean... But they up off the waiver wire.
1: There's no way we make that we make that choice. It was clear as day that Plumlee was a better choice to be our backup center when when Cantor was was available.
0: Right. But when Trey Lyles was uh, showing his true colors as the season right. went along, it became clear we had two, you know, only two reliable centers, basically. Yeah. Um why not bring in a third one for depth? I mean, that's what Portland that's did. A good that's point. why they brought in Ennis Cantor, right? It's a it, it's a good because they already point. had Nurkic. So, and it's just
1: know. there's a there's a, a veil there that we can't see behind as far as what was actually going on. If he was going for somebody, maybe we were actually going after Anthony Davis and True. that was holding things yeah. up you know, like, you know, it's 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 hard to say what was going on there. But yeah, this that- isn't
0: really a criticism of Tim Connolly. It's more of just a like I, I think more it's it's an idea of going into next year. This is the kind of thing now that you might start looking at doing. You know, at, at, around the trade deadline, right? Being or something more aggressive is like, yeah, is thinking about w- what do we need, what kind of depth do we need to add, what kind of pieces do we need to add that could potentially help us in a seven-game series in the second round. You know, you're not thinking about can we find a player who's better than the current players we have. That's not exactly the point. It's like, right, what would help us in a in a seven-game series? But that's also that, why
1: and, that's also why our theme is is further through the crucible, right? It, because we're learning the, um, hard facts and, and, and the, the things that you just wouldn't know otherwise, um, unless you're, you're in it. You know, there, there's that old, um, philosophical adage of, of the knowledge you gain by, you know, swimming is the example I hear about. You you just, you could be in a classroom for 10 years learning from the best teachers and you just truly don't know something until you're in it. And and that's where we are right now. So, um, yeah, we'll see. You know, it's definitely worth. Uh, I was going to point out that that was actually a minor criticism of of Connolly coming out of the trade deadline is uh, is specifically the power forward spot uh, with the way Lyles was playing and 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 how um, Plumlee was our only big man um, to to fall back on. Um, so it, it's fair to bring up now. You know, that's that's yeah. that's maybe a hole that's showing now. Um, that was one thing that we did kind of know about that we don't really have to just real on hindsight to, to see, but um, yeah, we'll see. And then we'll see going forward, you know, this off season, uh, the next trade deadline Does um, Conley take the information that he's learning from the crucible that they're in right now in the playoffs and actually um,
0: it, it make informed decisions off of it. All right. Win or lose on Sunday, this nugget season has been blank. So I
1: actually changed my answer during the 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 theme when we were talking about that. You helped me change my answer. I'm gonna say originally I was thinking validating. Win or lose on Sunday, this Nugget Season has been validating. I'm changing it to clarifying. This Nugget season has been clarifying because I feel I feel like we have that identity kind of figured out. And and once once you figure that out, just like I was talking about with Conley, once you have the information, you have the ability to then make an informed decision for how to build around it. And he did a great job with that with Jokic last year. Uh, I think his biggest question mark was defense. Um, you know, we, we, we were criticizing some national media for even bringing that up, um, as of a few weeks ago, um, that don't really feel like they've been following the team. Uh, granted he has some deficiencies on defense, but we were able to build around it, um, morph morph things around so that we're able to cover that up and in many ways he's been a positive if not at least a neutral when it comes to defense um so now we're looking at this two-man game with murray and we say okay where where can we ask murray to improve and where can we either build around him to cover that up or um or change some game plans around that might be able to put him just in a better position um so that that's that's where I, I see clarification maybe being the most important thing that we've we've seen come from this season. What about you?
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, win or lose, I think this season has been a coming of age story for the nuggets. Um, we have seen this this little team that that was you know barely out of the playoffs for a couple of years in a row take this huge leap forward we talked about this being a leap year for the nuggets at the very beginning of this this podcast and we were projecting we were hoping it would be a leap year we thought it would be and we had some reason to believe that but you know you don't know until until the season plays out and then even if they would have just had like a good regular season and got swept in the first round or something we still wouldn't have totally known what we have but at this point, I think it's safe to say that we we know that we have a championship core in place. I think Jokic, Murray, Harris, and then some of these bench guys, whether their roles would be on the bench on a championship team or as a starter at some point, but like Beasley and, and Monte, um, even though Monte struggled a little bit in this series, I think we've seen enough from those guys to say like we have the core in place, and then we have a couple more more young guys coming in in MPJ and Justin uh, Jared Vanderbilt, so um i i to me that was the biggest thing that i wanted to see from this season was like evidence that i can believe in this team and run with it and and the knowledge of how to build around the core and and now we we go from there and we and we can add add pieces around that core but that's That's what we wanted to see. We wanted to see if it would work. We wanted to see if Jokic was the superstar that we paid him to be and that we all believed that he was, but we hadn't seen yet. And he has proven that. Murray has proven that he can play on the big stage. And so it's all gravy at this point. This is all exciting. If they can get to the Western Conference Finals – that, that's going to be awesome. They probably won't win, but it doesn't matter. We're playing with borrowed money at this, at this yeah, point. It's I, like
1: I would say it might even be a protection to some degree. Not that I'm going to say lose it because you want to be protected, <laughs> but uh, this team going to the Western Conference Finals this season, um, yeah, next season to get to the Western Conference Finals is going to be just as hard, if not harder, and if we, you know, make it into the first round and then and then lose next year or make it into the second round and then lose, and here we are coming off of a season where we we made it to the Western Conference Finals. We thought we were, you know, the second best team in the West or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. That that might be a, a little harder to swallow. Um, just, I mean, just a silver lining if, if we do wind up losing um, Game 7, which I don't even, I, I just said those words and that made me feel terrible. So I, I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> but
0: I yeah. really like thanks the, for jinxing it yeah I know that, uh, <laughs> the loss is on you Dude, now full being responsibility this, being a social at Jeremy Poley on Twitter is where you can uh, find him so yeah social media for the
1: stiffs is just a minefield that I'm trying to creep through because <laughs> the smallest <laughs> thing can you know set anybody off um, I, I am solely the reason for every loss of this season uh, <laughs> we'll see And now, for some reason, a basketball haiku by Nicholas Herzog.
0: Game seven, Nuggets fans. Stay on your feet past point one. You are the sixth man. All right, Jeremy, let's do buy or sell, wrap things up. Buy or sell the Nuggets being a sassy team. <laughs> so uh, Curry, Seth Curry called our team sassy
1: after his little squabble last night. Um, and I am selling this, actually. Um, I don't think we're particularly sassy. Uh, you know, it's it's part of our team, but it's not the word that describes who we are. Um for, I think we're fortunate to be on, on our side of this argument. I think it's way better than our team calling their team sassy. Cause I think that translates to competitive, having some sort of competitive edge. And if they're the ones calling us out for our, our competitive spirit, uh, that's a point for us, I think. So I'm happy to be on that side, but, um, I went in and, and reviewed it cause I, I only saw it in real time. Uh, so it, it was kind of hard to tell what was actually going on in the scrap, but, um, So step by step, it's actually pretty funny. So um, Collins um, falls into Barton's legs and Barton uh, has to kind of brace himself so he doesn't fall over. And he braces himself actually on Collins. He like leans forward and braces himself on him. Curry rushes in and pushes Barton out of the way while he's bracing himself on Collins. Um, Barton uh, pushes Curry back. When I saw it in real time, I actually thought Barton was uh, acting too strongly. Um, which I'm not going to say it was the right move, but it clearly wasn't as wrong as I thought in the moment. Uh, Curry literally just walks in and pushes Barton out of the way. It wasn't the strongest push in the world, but he just pushes him. Um, and so (laughs) Barton pushes him back. Then this is the funniest part to me. So Curry backsteps after Barton pushes him back. He he backsteps and looks over at the ref, kind of waving at the ref, like, are you going to do something about that? And then the ref walks over and kind of puts his hands on Barton. Not that Barton was doing anything at that point, but kind of puts his hands on Barton. And once the ref gets in in between Curry and Barton, then Curry goes from being this guy like stepping back, pleading to the refs to gain all in Barton's face. It's always the funniest thing to me. I saw this in (laughs) high school so many times where it's like the second that you feel safe and you're able to all of a sudden look like you're imposing, you do it. Like now that the ref is protecting Barton, like all of a sudden Curry's going to look like he's a tough dude. So he he goes at Barton and then Barton actually kind of uh, scrapes uh, Curry in the eye. And and, and that's where where Curry said that uh, he was mad that we're a sassy team that you wouldn't shouldn't (laughs) poke somebody in the eye. So really ridiculous in the moment. I didn't realize how foolish Curry looked, but
0: it's kind of funny to actually go back and revisit if you get a chance to. Is anyone else kind of secretly hoping Barton gets suspended for game 7? <laughs> <laughs> because it I, takes the decision making away from I'm I'm Lynch not Malone. I'm I'm not, okay. but um we'll right. get into that. So- I am going to buy the Nuggets being a sassy team, but only really the bench. So it is pretty sassy. Wancho showed some sassiness after he hit that three, which was his first minutes in the in a game in game five. True. Did a little shimmy. True. And we got some sassiness from Barton. So we got a, There's a couple guys who will get a little sassy, but they're all on the bench. So as a team, this is not a sassy team because the superstars on this team are not sassy. Jokic is not sassy. Sassy is a silly word, by the way, now that I'm saying it like seven (laughs) times in a row. Jokic is not sassy. Murray, oh, do we, uh, I mean, he's cocky. Is the blue arrow, is shooting a blue arrow a sassy maneuver? Oh, he's sassy. He is sassy. Okay. All right, he's sassy. So, yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe this team is a little sassy. Maybe I kind of like it. Like you said, it's like I'm okay with a, I'm okay with a little a little bravado, a little you know, playing with a little bit of a a little bit of a swagger, a little bit of a chip. Okay, <laughs> a little bit of finger pointing. So next buy or sell. 26 minutes or more
1: for Will Barton in game seven. He was uh, he was negative 25 in 26 minutes in game six.
0: Oh, it's just brutal, brutal. He was costing them almost a point a minute while he was in. Think about that. <laughs> That's how bad he was. Um, the, the third I'm, variable there is how much money he's making per minute. <laughs> Ugh, remind me. Um, I am going to buy it because apparently Mike Malone over learned a lesson in the four overtime game. Um, and I think... A number of, of fans and, and people that I saw tweeting about that game, too, seem seem to think this, that that was, like, Will Barton's coming out game. That he, like, that Barton was back because he hit a couple of threes over the course of four overtimes. Like, Barton was the freshest guy in the game during those four overtimes, and he also had a number of plays that nearly cost them that game that people like to ignore he had two huge awful turnovers at the end of the at the end of regulation in that game um so yeah like he had some i, I don't not this isn't necessarily even take anything away from him in that game 4 cuz there was there's a there was so much that happened in that in that game that um Will Barton doesn't like take the blame for anything, and but but he also wasn't like spectacular. And if people are, that were trying to push that narrative have an agenda or something, because he was he was okay, he was a contributor in the game, he wasn't a negative in the game for like the right. first time, right? In the playoffs, that's an artificial narrative, yeah. Since then, he's been horrible again. And Malone is rolling him out in greater minutes. You know, he was down to like 15 minutes a game, something like that. And that's where I thought he should have stayed um, game four notwithstanding. But now we're seeing him playing almost twice that many minutes and back to kind of his old role. He's not starting, but he's getting close to starter minutes. Um, and I think that's because Mike Malone thinks that that he turned a corner in that game or something because that's that's when we've seen his minutes go up
1: yeah you um
0: know? and and so I'm afraid that he's gonna continue with that and we are going to see another <laughs> disastrous game from Will Barton in game seven because I'm gonna say it again he's not very good yeah,
1: in just our last podcast i had I had said, okay, this is the last time that we talk about Barton. <laughs> Granted, I, 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 I made myself a little uh, way out by saying unless for some reason he gets overplayed and is terrible um, or if he's really good. This comes out of nowhere and is extremely good. Um, and he got overplayed and was extremely terrible. So here we mm-hmm. are talking about Barton again. So I am actually going to sell 26 minutes or more for Will Barton in Game 7. Uh, after the game, Malone talked about Um, maybe overreacting by pulling guys too quick which is funny because Will Barton played for 26 minutes and was a negative 25 so he obviously wasn't talking about Will Barton so I think there's a chance um, we're going to get more into this but Monte Morris only played two minutes I I think we're going to see more of Morris in the second unit and the only change I would make we we already kind of talked about how we know who these two teams are. They know each other. There's not much much that's going to change. The only thing I might change out of Game Six is uh, I would give Craig more minutes with a second unit. He didn't play any with a second unit this last game, and we saw what Isaiah Thomas did to Monte Morris. I'm I'm trying to figure Morris out here. Why he why he's been bad in the playoffs? Yeah. And and, and a lot of it I do think has to do with size. I don't think he'll ever be a great playoff you know lead uh, a leader for a team as a point guard in the playoffs. But um, we saw what Isaiah Thomas did when he came in and kind of made a, a double-headed dragon with with Morris. And we might be seeing the same thing out of Barton. Barton was a starter up until uh, game four in the, the first series. It was game four, right? Not three. Yeah, it was game yeah. four where, where he goes down to the bench. Um, there, there might be something to do with this double-headed dragon of Barton and Morris sharing uh, playmaking responsibilities in the second unit, and so as much as Craig doesn't really bring uh, too much to offense and doesn't really click too well, <laughs> um, just by this might be addition by subtraction. If we're able to give uh, Craig honestly a lot of minutes uh, in in this next game, uh, I think I would do that. Um, but now, so when when it comes to somebody who's broken to me. I, I think you have two ways that you can go. You either let them work their way out of the funk um, based off the opportunities that naturally come to them, or you force the opportunities to them, trying to kind of like resuscitate them. And I think Malone's been doing the the latter and, and being very optimistic and hopeful, and it hasn't been working. And so I think he needs to go the other way, where. You know, don't yank necessarily Barton's opportunity, but if he's if he's not doing anything with it, be quick to to go to Craig is what I'm thinking, and let's yeah. see what Morris can do when he's out there with um, you know I I, I again um there's been a lot of Millsap in the be- bench I think that's okay um, I'm not worried about him matching up with uh, Turner um, Plumley against um. Oh, uh, Collins. I think Collins had a randomly good game. He hasn't been good this series. Um, he shows flashes of being good, but I don't think he's going to have another game like last game. So me on Collins, good. Millsap on Turner, good. Uh, Seth Curry, yeah, I think it's fine to, to leave uh, Murray out there. Um, he, you're not going to worry about offense from Curry. Um, it, it's either um, CJ who stays out there or Dame who stays out there. And then the other threat has been Rodney Hood. So why not have Craig out there to throw on to Rodney Hood as opposed to Barton? And then all you have to worry about is, you, you know, Morris can play on, on um, Curry. And then you see if you can outduel them with Murray against Dame or Murray against CJ. And if that's not working, then put Harris out there. Um, so, so to me, I, I I see a lot of upside to going forward with, um, with uh, Craig uh, over Barton on the bench, and I feel like Malone Malone's statement was kind of an apology to Morris, and that if we're gonna see more yeah. Morris, let's put Morris in a position, uh, a better position to succeed, and I'm very very curious as to whether that might be a
0: might translate into not having Barton out there with him. I, I mean, I haven't looked deeply into this enough, but I'm just going to throw something against the wall to see if it sticks. Um, the bench played well, especially in the first half of the Spurs series. They were really cooking. Beasley had a great series generally. But even Monte, I thought, was really good in the Spurs series overall. Especially just you know for being a young guy in his first playoff series, I thought he was fine. Right, I totally forgot about um, Easy when I was doing my profiling there too. Yeah, <laughs> um, the bench has gotten significantly worse since Barton has joined the bench, um, and the starters have significantly improved. Now, uh, like I said, I'm not. I I need. I would need to go and look at this in more depth and see if Barton is actually like responsible here, but. I am just just kind of thinking about it now as I'm looking back over the last couple of weeks of games. Um, Monte seems to really struggle when he plays with other ball dominant players. Right. Uh, Isaiah Thomas just completely destroyed him when he was in, in for like those ten games or fifteen games or whatever. It did not work at all. And I'm wondering if something similar happens when Barton's in and Barton just sort of does his kind of one man game. Um, it just seems like it takes him out of the game like i i feel like monte when he's the one you know running the offense um and and kind of playing quarterback that 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 that's really the role that he excels in and and for some reason barton just breaks that and i don't again i like i said i I'll, I'll have to go back and look at it once we're once we're through the playoffs and and as we kind of start looking forward toward next year and and, and seeing what we think the team should do but um I don't know. It's kind of a no. I I just feel like something. Uh, now Monte's Monte's three point shot has been a problem. He's over <laughs> whatever fifteen or something yeah. in the playoffs so far, which is a bummer because he was a f- over forty percent shooter in the regular season. I mm-hmm. think that's that's just inexperience and nerves and just being out of out of sorts and out of sync and stuff. In fact, we should just introduce our next buy and sell topic was Monte Morris having more than two minutes. <laughs> right. Let's get into in it. in Game Six. Um, I, I definitely think we will see him have more than, more than two minutes in game six. As you've said, I, I think, um, Malone realizes, I think after that, that he's really partially responsible for kind of the bench play. I mean, he, he has done what he's done because the bench was struggling. And so he's been skewing much more heavily toward his starters, which makes sense in the moment in the long run. And and big picture, I think we we have to show some confidence in these young guys. I mean, the team isn't where it is today without Monte and Beasley, and quite frankly, Plumley being one of the better benches in the regular season. And in the first series, Monte and Beasley were good. So I I don't think this Portland matchup is like it. Maybe it's a little tougher for those two guys um, because Portland has really good guard play, but. I, I think you have to you have to give these guys a little bit of rope here in a big huge game, um, right? Knowing that the future is really what we're concerned about.
1: Yeah, you know the fact that Morris is a is not good at sharing duties with another playmaker can certainly be looked at as a criticism of him. Sure. But when it comes down to Game Seven, you know of the Western Conference Semifinals, you don't have time to criticize your player. You have to just go with the best situation to put them in, even if it's not the one that you prefer. You know, if they're asking for a a Snickers bar dipped in gold, you go get them a Snickers bar dipped in gold. And then you talk to them afterwards about how stupid that is. (laughs) I had to pull up. Uh, I'm going to be talking to you after this podcast about how stupid that was. (laughs) It was my own gold dip Snickers bar that you had to let me do. Um, But so, and something I want to bring up is we haven't really dug into Plumley here. Um, Ugh, who I think there's a reason point, for that. At this point, I think he's he's been the biggest negative on our team throughout the entire playoffs, um, more so than Barton. But the thing is, with Plumley, we're stuck. We have no other big man. We don't even have a secondary big man who can do power forward. We are stuck with Plumlee. The own there are no other options that you can go with other than continuing to play Jokic and Millsap. So it's a short conversation. He is he has been the the worst contributor on our team. There's nothing you can do about it. He's, of story. if
0: Jokic has been the big winner of the entire NBA playoffs this season, Plumlee has probably been the biggest loser. Right. Um. He he has shown that he is just a. I mean strictly a regular season performer evidently because he has brought nothing in either series. Right. But I
1: mean, again, um, the, the, the best thing that you can do, I I think is go back to what you saw that worked well in the regular season. Um, which was a bench that was, you know, Morris and Beasley, um, Craig Plumley. Um, back then we were playing a lot of Lyles, um, Ooh, I, I, actually, I actually saw somebody throw that take out there on our social media, and it was actually an interesting one.
0: If, Did you if nothing, ban and report them immediately? <laughs>
1: no. If nothing else it sends, <laughs> I, I don't know. You can't really send a, <laughs> a, a message to, to Plumley. That, that was, but that's like no. the only option. But Like I got, just got done saying, it's a very short conversation when it comes to criticizing Plumley. You can't really do anything. Your only option yeah. would be to put Lyles in at center, and maybe that sends a message to Plumley. Cr- crazy take, but I understand where it's coming from. But so so, yeah, to wrap it all up again, um, I'm buying Morris having more than two minutes in this game. And I'm really hoping that coach does a, a, doesn't just put him back out there for the slaughter, but puts him in a position to, to play better, which to me is is more Craig and less Barton on the bench, unless in the opportunity given to Barton, he he just happens to be on. Not a, not opposed to that. But you don't let yeah. the guy keep
0: playing if every minute you're, you're ticking a point off the board. But that's my problem moving forward anyway with this is you can't have a guy who you only play if he's playing well. Like, we need, well, we need consistent Hood. performers from these. Well, yeah, you can have that as a bench guy. You don't have that as a $13, $14 right. million a right. year starter. Right. Um, so... Anyway, that's we'll be continuing to talk about Barton until I die, I have a feeling. But um but the next buy or sell. Buy or sell the extra day of rest being better for the nuggets.
1: I'm absolutely buying. I I think our team over the past few years has showed that significantly that um, rest helps us severely. And and maybe I'm saying this, you know, I didn't do a deep dive into what Portland looks like. Um, when they get more rest, but I just know that it's been, it's been one of the big narratives with our team for years now. Uh, so I, and as I brought up before, it's been almost a month since they got an extra day of rest. So I think that's a huge deal. I think it's, it's almost as good as getting a home court advantage. Um, I think it's almost that big of an advantage over Portland. The fact that we get an extra day of rest.
0: I'm going to sell it. I think it's bigger for Portland. Um, Couple of reasons. Shaq said the other night on the broadcast, so take this with a grain of salt. <laughs> but <laughs> he said that uh, NBA players playing every other day is is perfect for them because it keeps them in rhythm, and every other day does not wear you out. That's what he said. Huh. Um, and the Nuggets have been almost on a strict every other day play schedule since two months ago. So I'm a little concerned that this extra day off, which they haven't had at all ever, could throw a little, a little wrinkle in for them that might not be helpful. I, Second of all, um, if Portland – I don't know Portland's travel schedule, so I should have looked this up before I made this take. But if Portland came to Denver uh, today, if they come to Denver today, which they, I have a feeling they probably will, gives them an extra day here to acclimate to the altitude. And I think we saw the altitude get in game five. Well, game one and game five of the series, both games where Portland came just for the game and had no time to acclimate to the altitude at all. They got blown out in both those games. Um, this game, they're going to have an extra day and a half or something. If they play at seven 30 on Sunday, which it's, uh, likely if Houston wins tonight, they play at seven 30 on Sunday. um, they're going to have a fair amount of time to to adjust the altitude, and I think that could actually help Portland out.
1: That's a fair argument. I was not expecting that. So, well done. But I know at least from last year when I uh, was researching Jokic's uh, rest versus performance that um, he did have a real step up between one day of rest and two days of rest. Uh, it wasn't near as significant. Um, but as the difference between uh, no rest and one day of rest, but it didn't go yeah, down. If, it's not like he fell out of rhythm. He he was better after two days of rest last year.
0: I wonder if that changed this year though, because it, they were the best back to back team in basketball this year. Yeah,
1: yeah. He he. I mean, it definitely did. So I, I should I should have so. done another dive into it. That's one thing um, that I, I give Jokic credit on is coming into this season. I thought. It was the same uh, um, point that a lot of people had made, even the previous season, was that he needed to work on his endurance and his health, and it really seemed like he did, like a plus for that, because he he was so much better this year on back to backs. Oh yeah, so much better. So
0: yeah, yeah. No, the amount of minutes he's played in the playoffs have proven that his his endurance is there. I mean, yeah, he, he was gassed in the four overtime game, but I mean, good grief, sixty five yeah. minutes who. Who wouldn't be? He, the fact that he was able to finish that game without dying of a heart attack was <laughs> proof proof enough that, that he's fine. So. All
1: right, let's wrap it up. Our last question, or our last buy-sell. The Pepsi Center feeling like a proper home court on Sunday.
0: Man, I hope so. I'm going to buy it. And mostly I put this question in to this segment because I would like to encourage all of my fellow Nuggets fans specifically the ones going to the game, (laughs) to treat it like a Game 7. Yeah. Like, get loud. I don't know why. Why do I see... When I watch... we're, We're in the playoffs. Why do I see so many people sitting through the whole game? You don't sit... During a playoff game, what is this? What like what are you what do They you, you got out the chairs before like, game yeah. seven. <laughs> you watch the Portland games like there's their fans are standing more than they're sitting throughout the course of the game. There was a dude's head in the in the in in way of the camera for like a couple of shots last night. Um get up, get yell, make noise, be active. Like this doesn't happen very often. Game 7s in the playoffs don't happen very often. Uh, game sevens at home in the playoffs happen even less often, and especially less often for the Denver Nuggets. And they have a chance to be in a position where, that they haven't been in for ten years with one of the youngest teams in basketball. Get excited, go out to the game, yell. If you're not hoarse when you left, you failed.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna buy it as well. Um, I think we we saw some slacking uh, from from our fan spirit during uh, weekday games you know tuesday and thursday um but it, this is going to be on a sunday um somewhat early uh there's going to be plenty of time for everybody to get into it and throw in the fact that the avs are now out of the playoffs and you hopefully we might get some some of their good crazy fans they have an incredible fan base um and there's a lot of uh fans of both teams who uh, who might just be coming coming over to enjoy the game. I would even hope uh, the Nuggets were pushing that outside crowd. Y- you can come and, and watch yeah. the game just uh, from the outside for free. And there's pizza and, and lots of fun and stuff like that. And that really kind of took off. The, the first two times they did it, it actually I thought was kind of depressing. Um, but you could tell uh, on the, the last weekend game that they did that, uh, there was a pretty big group out there. I'd love to see that you know, double and fans just to get crazy and for every seat to be packed with crazy people. Um, I I think we're going to get closer to it than, than farther, further.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I have, I have faith in the crowd on Sunday. Um, and I'm not going to be able to be there. I'm going to be traveling. So I have to implore, I can't, I can't lead by example. (laughs) I'm going to have to implore others to, (laughs) to be good, a good crowd. But, um, But I I hope they do. And I I think you know the Pepsi Center Denver could be the premier home court advantage in the league. I mean, the team has made it into that. They were the best home court team in the league this year. So their play at home has been great. I think the fans can step it up a, a, a little bit. The fans have been good generally through the year. And there's definitely Nuggets fever in town. I mean, I can attest to that uh and I, I talk to a lot of people on a daily basis and and everybody has some interest it seems like in the nuggets right now even people that aren't really basketball fans kind of know what's going on so that's awesome and it's cool to see that excitement um let's just see that let's see that boil over in uh in in game seven and give this team the, the lift that they're going to need to close this thing out thanks for listening to the dig you can follow me at nick herzog sbn on twitter you can follow jeremy at jeremy Pulley and you can follow our podcast at the dig denver we've been doing a lot of live tweeting during the playoffs it's been a lot of fun um, the the denver <laughs> the nuggets nuggets twitter has been has been really entertaining and, and and a lot of fun this is my first year on twitter during a playoff run and i uh, really enjoyed it i think this like twitter at its best is is live tweeting games not have Kahlua in my coffee this morning. Uh, so smart. Well, I don't have... I need to get some cream Kahlua I or some Irish
1: cream or something. I really fell in love with uh, um, Cool Swan um, as a much, much better version of, of Bailey's. Oh. And, and they don't have any of it on the East Coast. I haven't yeah. been able to find it anywhere.
0: Cool Swan.
1: Yeah, it's like... Um, you know, it's cultured cream off of Irish farms it's uh, vanilla from, from Madagascar it's uh, chocolate from Cote d'Ivoire um, so I mean and, and that's, Oh this is like, so pretentious. It. there's no added sugar or anything like that it's literally just cream with um, oh and then spirit you know probably not the best spirit but it's Irish yeah. Irish whiskey spirit but um, yeah Sweet. it's just those four things. So you know you're drinking something pure, and, uh, and it tastes great. It tastes at least as
0: good as Bailey's, at least as good.